Good morning, NFL fans, and welcome to another edition of Monday Morning Huddle. I am your host, Dave Holcomb. We're presented by FootballNation.com on our website every Monday morning. And we have now officially reached the halfway point in the NFL season. Some teams have played nine games, but most of the NFL have now played, most of the teams in the NFL have played eight games so far of the 16-game schedule. So let's get to the action from week nine. We'll start off with the Sunday night game. Dallas visiting the Atlanta Falcons. Of course, the Falcons come in at 7-0. Dallas trying to rebound from a really tough, close comeback loss to the New York Giants last week. But Atlanta stayed undefeated. Still the only undefeated team left in the NFL. They moved to 8-0. And the Cowboys now fall to 3-5, and five, and their season is at the brink. Um, one more loss probably puts them out of a realistic playoff shot. Of course, they're, you know, they'll still be alive mathematically, but uh, at 3-5 and five right now, next week they'll be playing the Eagles. That's, that'll be a very important game. But looking at this game um, in the Georgia Dome, Starting off with the Atlanta Falcons, there was a lot of talk this week about how people are not talking about the undefeated Falcons. And it was originally brought up by Tony Gonzalez. It was a quote he, he had earlier in the week. Um, I'm going to paraphrase the quote and say that, you know, he, he said to to an extent he, they don't care about the, atten the, the attention that they're getting. He doesn't understand why they're not getting the attention, but... Uh, it doesn't bother them, and they're going to keep playing the way they're playing. Kind of, uh, you know, uh, a funny quote to say, because if you really don't care about the attention, then why would you be going to the media saying, we don't care? Um, you probably wouldn't say anything. Um, but I I get some of the frustration that Gonzalez probably has, or the Falcons have, that, that they're not getting the national attention of other teams, uh, if other teams were undefeated, I think they would get a lot more press in, in media outlets like ESPN and such. Unfortunately, in today's media, uh, at least national media, the big markets get most of the attention. And even on even on this show, I try to give several teams, all kinds of teams around the country, around the NFL, um, attention on our show. Um, but I haven't given the Falcons that much um, airtime. Probably because I haven't really seen them play that much. Probably because they're not on TV. So, um, finally they're in the, the national spotlight on Sunday night uh, football. And they, they got this W. And we'll, we'll see how much in the, in the next coming weeks, if they can stay on their feet, how much people are talking about them. And they should talk about them. Look at who they have on their team. Uh, at least on offense, Matt Ryan is doing great things under new offensive coordinator Dirk Coeder, if I'm pronouncing that name correctly. Uh, the new offensive coordinator, he came over from Jacksonville, was with the Jaguars last year, uh, replacing the highly successful Mike Malarkey. But um, 
this this new offensive coordinator has got this offense playing at an even higher level than than it was playing under Malarkey, and it's really shown dividends so far in the standings. Obviously, at eight and zero, they're going to have three guys over one thousand yards receiving. That's Tony Gonzalez, the tight end, and then of course maybe the best wide receiver duo in the league with Julio Jones and Roddy White. And you can't really say enough about Matt Ryan. Lots of people doubt him because of his playoff um, history, 0-3 playoff record. But in the regular season, he has some outstanding records, has uh, the number one win percentage at home of any quarterback that has played at least 20 games. But I think realistically... Looking at what else is going on in the NFC, you got teams like San Francisco, even Green Bay, who we're going to get to later in the show, Chicago. Uh, their defense is dominant right now. Their defense is scoring more than other teams' offenses. It, I think that's part of the reason why people aren't talking about Atlanta because they're just the Atlanta is the type of team that I give them a lot of credit. They they just win games. They don't really they're not too flashy, although they have a lot of big names on offense. They really aren't that flashy. They they play good good defense, good enough defense, good enough special teams. They they really have the high powered offense this year and 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 probably they had it last year as well. But um they play in a lot of close ball games and win a lot of close games against, you know, average teams, you could say. Looking at what they've done so far this year, they beat Oakland by three. They beat Washington by seven. They beat Carolina by two. Now they beat Dallas by six. They're not soundly beating a lot of these teams. They they have other blowout wins, and they've beaten good teams. They beat they beat Denver. They got a big win in Philadelphia. But overall, I just, I just think people haven't jumped on Atlanta's bandwagon because. They, they, you know, they just do enough to win ball games. A lot of times, they're not dominating like you know the 49ers. They dom the 49ers will dominate you on defense. Green Bay, Green Bay will dominate you on offense. Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball over the yard, um, and then Chicago, another team dominating on defense. Atlanta doesn't really do that. They won't dominate you in any phase of the game. They really play well in all three phases. So I think that's partially why. They don't get a ton of attention, and a lot of people still don't believe that they can get to that Super Bowl out of the NFC. Going over to the Dallas side, like I mentioned before, at three and five, it could be you know the end of Dallas' season already. Um, not really what they wanted to to do, uh, where they wanted to be halfway through the year. They really have no running game. They really miss Demarco Murray, who's injured right now. Uh, they've had a couple games where they've had some good running they, uh, against Baltimore on the road. They had over 200 yards rushing as a team, but actually lost that game. Um, the defense has been great. Rob Ryan has this defense playing so well, even without Sean Lee in the middle of uh, of that defense. Uh, guys who have replaced him have really stepped up and played well. Uh, one of the guys is Bruce Carter, the linebacker, who's running the defense basically on the fly now and has really gotten help from Sean Lee, Upper St. Clair alum out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So that defense is playing great, but they're put in so many bad situations because of the way the offense has been playing. 
The offense turns the ball over. Didn't turn the ball over at all against Atlanta, but in other games, they just have given great field position to the opposition, and you can't continue to do that and then win ball games. So one thing I think that you could ask at 3-5, and five, is Jason Garrett's job now on the line? And that's something we're going to also get to later in the show. Moving to what perhaps was the game of the weekend, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers visiting the New York Giants. There was a lot of emotion around this game because of uh, the hurricane that came through earlier last week uh, through the East Coast and hit New Jersey and the New York tri-state area uh, very hard. Um, this was a game that I think the Giants really wanted to win um, for their area, for their fans, obviously. Uh, the Steelers had to fly a plane to the game on on Sunday morning, got to the stadium, played, and then actually flew back to Pittsburgh. So a little bit different for them. I think really tough game for the Steelers on the road against a great Giants team and then all the emotion and then on top of that stuff, you know, changing their routine from what they normally do because of uh, the conditions. But if you if you miss this game, there were very, some very tough close calls that were made in the second quarter. Um, several, well, I, I, I could, could say all of them went the Giants' way. Uh, there was one, I, I thought, questionable pass interference call that, that gave the Giants a 40-yard gain. Um, defensive pass interference called on Keenan Lewis, cornerback for the Steelers. And then on third and goal, the Steelers come up with a stop, but Ryan Clark hits Victor Cruz in the ribs. The ball seemed to be still in the air, but uh, the, the referees called the hit late. So there was a personal foul, automatic first down. On the next play, the Giants score, which actually on the scoring play, it looked like um, the running back, Andre Brown, might have been short of the goal line, but they... Uh, they did give him, award him the touchdown, not saying they wouldn't have scored on second or third, uh, third and goal, but that was also a very close play. And then on the next drive, uh, Ben Roethlisberger had a throw. It was a throw-slash-fumble. thought that it was in his hand, and it slipped out of his hand, but his arm was going forward seemingly with the ball. But the referees ruled it a fumble on the field. It was obviously reviewed because all turnovers are still ruled a fumble. And uh, there was, if you slow it down, the ball was moving just a little bit in his hand, which explained why they thought it was a fumble rather than an incomplete pass. So they, I think they actually got that call correct, though it was a very close call. And that fumble recovery led to a defensive score as the Giants picked it up and scored and took a 14-7 lead. So if you look at the stats of this game, taking out, if you change two of those calls to go the Steelers' way, not saying that they should have, um, but they were just very close calls and, and the Giants got the breaks on every single one of them, this game really isn't a contest uh, without those calls. Um, statistically, the Steelers outgained the Giants 349 yards to 182. The Giants have... a a top five offense in the in the league. Eli only 125 yards completed 41% of his passes on Sunday and threw an interception. 
The big story for the Steelers, they got their power running game back. Third week in a row, they have a rusher over 100 yards. This week, it was Isaac Redman. The last two weeks, it was Jonathan Dwyer. Uh, Pittsburgh, they had a tough time pass blocking against the Justin Tucks, the uh, the Jason Pierre-Pauls, the, the O.C. Humaniores, that defensive line that's one of the best, if not the best, in the league. The Steelers had a tough time with that, but run blocking for the third week in a row, the Steelers... Offensive line did an excellent job, um, and, and Isaac Redman, 26 rushes, 147 yards, and a touchdown. The Steelers scored twice in the fourth quarter, two touchdowns to come back from a 20 to 10 deficit. Control the clock again. We've talked about we talk about the Steelers a lot on this show. Always mention that the Steelers' time of possession is usually heavily in their favor. Again, 35 minutes for Pittsburgh. And on defense, in the fourth quarter, the Giants' offense completely disappeared. They had the ball three times. All three possessions were three and outs. A really great day, or at least a really great fourth quarter for the Steelers' defense. One of our themes of our show, we talk about the turnover differential all the time. Actually, the Giants won the turnover differential in this game 2-1. to one. Uh, And one of those turnovers actually led to a, was the score, a score for the Giants, which I think you could partially say this game remained close or was close because of that turnover differential. But the rest of the stats, the Steelers really controlled. And a team that you thought might drop to 2-4 and four after a really kind of a, a, bad, a bad first quarter, a ba- uh, average half at best in Cincinnati on Sunday night three weeks ago. But they found a way to win that game have now won three in a row at 5-3 and three, halfway through the season. They go back home next week to play a Monday night game against Kansas City. Very winnable game. They could be at 6-3, and three, and that's where the Steelers were last year at 6-3. and three. So after a pretty poor start for, for Pittsburgh, they could be 6-3 and three after next week, and then they have a showdown with Baltimore at home. That'll obviously obviously be be a big game but can't look overlook Kansas City the Steelers have dropped games on the road but have dropped games to teams not as talented as them so they can't overlook Kansas City before playing Baltimore for the Giants they need to get their offense back into rhythm back into sync there's there's really eight quarters where uh, they really haven't looked that impressive on offense they were able to edge out Dallas keep keep them from coming back but um, the, the, I think what's impressive about the Giants they can win without playing their best game and that's how you know you have a really good team the Giants don't make a lot of mistakes they they take advantage of your the other team's mistakes and your penalties uh, there were quite a few penalties for Pittsburgh today that the Giants took advantage of pass interferences personal fouls and they were able to score I mentioned the, the turnovers that uh, the Giants were able to take advantage of, but if they want to beat great teams um, consistently, they they need to get that offense in sync, obviously. And they had a, they had a shot to come back, and I and I thought they they would with Eli Manning's fourth quarter record, but uh, on Sunday against Pittsburgh, wasn't able to get it going in the fourth quarter, and the Steelers leave New York with an impressive win. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back with more action from Week 9. 
we're back here on Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. We'd love to hear from you, your comments on our, about our show. You can email me at dmholcomb06 at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter, my handle, dmholcomb. Or you can find us on Facebook. Just search in the toolbar, Dave's Football News. Moving to some more action from Week 9, uh, Arizona went into Green Bay. Now, these are two polar opposite teams in that Green Bay has won their last three, three games, and Arizona had lost their last four going into this game. We didn't talk about Arizona last week. They played on Monday Night Football, really got embarrassed against division rival San Francisco. And it was more of the same on Sunday with Green Bay defeating Arizona 31-17. At one point, it did get close in the fourth quarter, closer than really it should have been. Uh, Green Bay's lead was only 7-24-17, but they scored again on a long pass to Tom Crabtree. Not exactly the, a top name in Green Bay's lineup, but hey, without Greg Jennings in this game, Jordy Nelson left with an injury, an ankle problem. And that leads to my next point, Randall Cobb has been awesome for the Packers. One of the youngest people, one of the youngest players in the league. Who knows where Green Bay would be without Randall Cobb? He was doing it all on Sunday, returning kicks, punts, and catching balls from Aaron Rodgers. You can tell Rodgers really likes him. They really have great chemistry together. He is going to be a weapon for Green Bay and Rodgers for a long time. Rodgers had a subpar game uh, percentage-wise, only completed 47% of his passes, 218 yards, but had four touchdowns. He threw his first interception in the last three games, so he broke that streak, but really impressive. 25 touchdowns for the season now in nine games. You have to start to wonder. It's funny because a lot of people have been saying, you know, Green Bay is not the same team. What's wrong with Aaron Rodgers and the, and the Packer offense? You know, now they reel off four wins in a row, and now I think people are saying the opposite. Is Green Bay the best team in the NFC? And that's a good question. I, I still think that they have to do a little bit better job of running the ball, but, but Sunday they did a, a better job. Alex Green is really starting to go. 11 rushes, uh, 53 yards, so an average of 4.8 yards. James Starks was starting to get going as well, 61 yards on the ground for him in this game so they they showed a little bit more balance actually um, calling the plays they ran the ball on Sunday more than they they threw it so that that I think is a really good sign but but once they get going really get going with their running and you throw in Aaron Rodgers ability to find the end zone and he doesn't turn the ball over this is one of the best teams in the league. They're a top five team, I think, right now. Uh, in the NFC, they're probably a top two or top three team. Uh, there's a lot of good teams in the NFC, though. Um, so but that's a good, a good question. Obviously, for the division, I, I think Minnesota is now fading a little bit. It's going to come down to, to the Packers and the Bears. Packers have already beaten the Bears. Actually, interesting stat. Green Bay is the only team to defeat Chicago and Houston. Both teams are 7-1. They'll actually be playing each other next week. This team, the Packers, I mean, 
they're they're a good team. They're they're gonna be in it late in the season again, uh, despite a, a slow start to 2012. As for Arizona, they look really lost. Obviously, they don't have their starting quarterback anymore, Kevin Cobb. He's out with a concussion. John Skelton has taken over. He's looked okay, but you can't throw the ball 45, 50 times with John Skelton and expect to win games. And that's what they're asking him to do because they have no running game. The running game was a little better against Green Bay than it was against San Francisco. I mean, everybody has a tough time running the ball against San Francisco, but... On that Monday night game, they had nine rushing attempts. The whole game, they only ran the ball nine times and threw it for over 50 times. So they uh, 17 rushes with Theron Stevens howling, 51 yards, not a great average. He did have a touchdown, but John Skelton threw the ball 46 times, had a touchdown and an interception. They just, Cardinals have no running game. They, they, and injuries have hurt them. Beanie Wells and Ryan Williams are not there. But somebody has to step up, or some, they have to some get some kind of running game going um, to to help out their young quarterback. Scouting has been able to find uh, Larry Fitzgerald at times, get him the ball. Good things happen, but just not enough. Fitzgerald can't carry a whole team. Uh, and after a really great, promising start for the Cardinals, four and zero, lost five in a row, now below five hundred. This team, I think they're going nowhere but south the rest of the year, unfortunately, for those people out in Arizona. We're going to have a little bit different uh, look to the second part of our show. Um, now that we're halfway through the season, we're going to run through some things that have surprised me and some things that are the same old story. So to start out with our surprises, I'm going to name three things. I'm going to start with the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts really have been a, a pleasant surprise and a great surprise to people around the league. I say they're a pleasant surprise because of the what's going on with their coach in Chuck Pagano. And if you saw the post-game speech he gave to his team after their win against Miami on Sunday, it was quite moving um, what, he, what he said and what his goals were that he wanted to dance at his two daughters' weddings that in the future, and he wanted to hoist the Lombardi Trophy several times, he said, with this group. Um, quite emotional, quite uplifting. Of course, Chuck Pagano, if you don't know, has leukemia. He's been diagnosed with it and is currently receiving treatment for it. But to the Colts, Five and three right now. If the playoffs started today, they would be a wild card. They have been a huge surprise. They they're so much better this year with uh, a revamped, really a revamped team. The only guy that really sticks out as a carryover is um, Reggie Wayne, at least a major piece that's a carryover. Uh, Chuck Pagano, that new head coach, the interim head coach, because Pagano's in the hospital. Bruce Arians uh, done a great job with the young quarterback Andrew Luck, who set a record. Rookie record for most yards in an individual game, 433 yards on Sunday against the Dolphins. Is it too early to say the Colts are a playoff team? I don't know. I mean, I, we've talked about the AFC and how it's weaker this year. I think 10-6 and 6 is definitely going to get you a playoff spot, and they're on pace for that. Looking at their schedule, 
they definitely have some winning winnable games uh, left. Looking that next week they're going to be playing in Jacksonville. They play Tennessee one more time. They do have to play Houston two more times. Those will be tough games. They get to play Kansas City. They play Buffalo. They play at Detroit. All games that they can win. Real, I mean, realistically, they could win all their game. They could win five more games, I think, and finish ten and six. They also have to play New England. If you say New England are the two Houston games while losses, but they win everything else, they could finish ten and six. And I think if they finish nine and seven, if they drop one of those other games, they could make the playoffs. And that would be a huge, huge story. That from one season losing your franchise quarterback, one of the best quarterbacks ever, going two and fourteen without him, and then drafting uh, Andrew Luck and having all those changes result in a playoff appearance quite amazing. Another team that is falling a little bit but has been a good surprise, the Minnesota Vikings. They've lost their last two games now, 500 ball clubs, Tampa Bay and Seattle. But what's been great out there in Minnesota, Adrian Peterson has been able to bounce back from an ACL injury faster than anybody ever thought. He had another great day against Seattle. And Christian Ponder is developing faster than people thought as well. Uh, I don't know if it's going to result in a playoff appearance this year for Minnesota. Um, very tough division with Chicago and Green Bay, so you have to think that if they make it, they're probably going to be the third team from that division to make the playoffs. It's possible. If you look around the NFC and you break it down, um, there aren't, all of a sudden, to be honest, there really aren't, a ton of teams really sticking out to you besides the top five teams. Whoever uh, whoever wants to get that sixth spot, there's a there's a couple just you know average teams I'd say with Minnesota, Seattle, Tampa Bay at four and four, Detroit is four and four, Philadelphia if they win on Monday they could be four and four. So all those teams you would think are probably competing for that last um, sixth and final wild card spot. But Minnesota has been a surprise. And my last surprise, sticking in the NFC, going to Tampa Bay, somebody who had an amazing Sunday running the ball for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Doug Martin. We talked about him last week on our show, running all over the Metrodome, playing again on the road in the black hole. Doug Martin, 25 rushes, 251 yards, and four touchdowns. Man, I hope for your sake you weren't playing against them in your fantasy leagues. I made them, me personally, I made the mistake of not starting them last week. I started them this week. Thank goodness. He basically gave me the win by himself. He's been a pleasant, pleasant surprise. Of all the top running backs picked last year's draft, talk about David Wilson um, from the Giants, really sticks out. You thought that he would have a really a, a good role. Um, stepping in as probably the, the backup or the third down back, um, spelling Ahmad Bradshaw. That hasn't really worked out. Isaac Peed was another guy that was picked high up um, by the St. Louis Rams. But Doug Martin is a guy that came in. People thought he could start right away ahead of LeGarrette Blunt Has, and the last two weeks has really gone off. And we'll see if he can keep, you know, obviously I don't think he'll keep up this, this pace, this kind of, pace, but we'll see how he finishes out the second half of the season. Um, we've seen great things from him the last two weeks. Now going into our same old category, 
we're going to go to the AFC to the San Diego Chargers. They played last Thursday night, got to see them against Kansas City, who's fallen to 1-7, and seven, one of the, to be honest, one of the worst teams I've seen in memory that just can't take care of the ball. So many take uh, So many giveaways for that Kansas City team. But San Diego, despite winning on Thursday against Kansas City, they're really just an average team. You really don't know what to think about them. They have talent. Phillip Rivers, very good quarterback most of the time. They have good receivers, a good running back, a pretty good defense, but they can never seem to put it all together. And it looks like it's the same old. Same old, same old. The Chargers, I think, are going to probably fall short of the playoffs. Maybe they get in as that sixth seed, but I think the Broncos are going to win the, the AFC West. And, again, is Norv Turner the long-term answer for them? Another team that I think, same old, same old, the Cincinnati Bengals have not had back-to-back winning seasons since the early 80s. After losing on Sunday to the Broncos, they have fallen to 3-5, and five, have lost four in a row, and it looks like we will see the same old Bengals where they will not repeat last year's success. Despite giving Marvin Lewis that contract extension, you thought maybe this is a guy that's going to get is getting comfortable. He's got the young guys in uh, A.J. Green at wide receiver and Andy Dalton. Maybe they can finally um, put it all together. The Steelers had a lot of transitions, a lot of uh, they're going through transitions, a lot of changes on both sides of the ball. Baltimore through the season has gotten some injuries on their defense. Maybe the Bengals can step up and at least get a wild card winning record for the first time in over 20, 20 years or, or closer to 30 years. Doesn't look like it's going to happen. Um, three and five halfway through the year. And on a more positive note, same old, same old from Peyton Manning out in Denver. Some people are already calling him an early MVP candidate. I agree. He's been playing great. And I really think he's only going to get better. The Broncos look very good. I think uh, they're a team that's going to be be there towards the end in the AFC. They will go as far as Peyton Manning can take them. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back with our fourth and long segment. Welcome back to Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. We're going to go into our fourth and long segment in our show. Of, to start off, we're going to New Orleans with Sean Payton, but again, dealing with the Dallas Cowboys. I talked about how we will mention Jason Garrett. With perhaps Garrett on the chopping block, if the Cowboys do not make the playoffs this year, my question or statement, Sean Payton would be a good hire for the Dallas Cowboys next year. If you haven't heard, Sean Payton's contract with New Orleans was voided, uh, making him a quote-unquote free agent for the coming offseason. You can get more information about that um, in Zach, Zach Horst's article. I'm sorry if I'm 
mispronouncing your name. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing the last part. And actually, this article has to do with Sean Payton possibly returning to the Cowboys, worked under Bill Parcells uh, when he was the head coach of the Cowboys. I'm going to grunt. Um, I think he would be a good fit for Dallas. Uh, I I haven't given up on Jason Garrett just yet, but um, to be honest, I personally I, I think the Cowboys have bigger problems than Tony Romo or Jason Garrett. I, I, I think the way they put together their team and um, just the way the organization is run, I don't agree with. But you can't fire the owner. So Sean Payton might might be a better fit or might have more success than a guy like Jason Garrett. Um, Sean Payton, obviously a great coach. You've, you see what the Saints are without him this year and what they've been in the past with him. So he's obviously a good head coach and uh, somebody that I think the Cowboys will look at or possibly want to bring in if Garrett turns out not to be the person that they want coaching the team. Now going into an, another NFC matchup, Cam Newton played Robert Griffin III on Sunday, the Redskins and Panthers, two of the more popular quarterbacks, uh, high draft pick quarterbacks of the last two years, Cam Newton. A lot of uh, discussion about his play this year, and then obviously Robert Griffin III, one of the higher um, completion percentages in the league this year. Uh, it was 70% a couple weeks ago, leading the NFL. Since since then, it has dropped. But uh, Newton edged Robert Griffin III in their first matchup. This is a matchup that probably be pretty popular in the next few years. My statement I would rather have Robert Griffin III running my team, running my offense, than Cam Newton. I'm going to grunt. Despite Newton winning this game, um, I personally just don't like the way Newton carries himself off the field. Um, or even on the field, to be honest. He, he mopes around a lot um, when he's not playing well. Um, a lot of analysts look at his, you know, quote unquote, moping as a good thing that he's that he cares about his performance and that that and that he wants to get better. I look at it as as an immaturity kind of thing. I, I don't see really the difference between Newton and Cutler. What's what's really different between those two guys besides Cutler wins a lot more at least this year than Newton does. I, I think Cam Newton is one of the more overhyped quarterbacks in the league. I really do. And although I think Robert Griffin III could fall into that category as well of overhyped, um, you know, you get rookies coming in and playing at an exceptional level right away, they get blown out of proportion, and then they fall back down to earth. That's happening to Newton. It could happen to Griffin next year. Um, but I like the way Griffin handles himself during the games on the field. He is a natural leader that Newton hasn't, been able to do yet I, I i just don't i would rather have griffin lead my team than cam newton and for our last statement we've we've seen some crazy stuff from the chicago bears they've already scored something like seven uh return touchdowns this year the record for an nfl team in a season is nine so they are 
threatening that record already halfway through the year. The statement. This Chicago's Bear defense is the best defense they've had under Lovey Smith. That is a really tough question. I really like this this statement. I'm going to grunt. I know this sounds crazy because they had a great defense in 2006 when they went to the Super Bowl. And if they don't go to the Super Bowl this year, this defense probably won't be remembered for as well as that other defense. But this, the way that they've been able to stop people, the way they've been able to score, um, Brian Erlacher getting into the action on Sunday against the Titans, he, him, he returning a touchdown or uh, an interception for a, retu- for a touchdown. They are just, they're just so dominant. And I think what's dominating about them is they don't just stop people. They don't just limit number of yards. They score on their own. They get turnovers. And not only do they get turnovers, they score. They they um, score as much as they those Bears' offense does. And it's just, it puts so much pressure on the other team when the, the Bears' defense is so good at scoring like they are. Although it's early in the season, I, I reserve the right to change my mind in a few weeks, but uh, as of right now, I, I am so impressed with the Bears' D that I would say this is the best defense Chicago's had with Lovey Smith. We're going to take one more quick break. There's one more song from Huey Lewis and the News. They're currently on their tour, and they're actually in Central New York area on Sunday. But um, I did not go to the concert. It was a concert I was thinking about attending, but I did not go to. But uh, we can listen to their music anyway. One more from Huey Lewis, and then we'll come back and wrap up today's show. back here on Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. We want to increase our interaction with our listeners. Email me at dmholcomb06 at gmail.com. You can tweet at me, dmholcomb, or find me on Facebook and leave a comment on there. Search Dave's Football News. I'm going to leave you with an article from one of the more popular authors on the site, Anthony King. Article entitled, The Redskins Rule, One NFL Game Will Decide Our Next President. King points out in his article, Since 1940, when the Redskins moved to Washington, in 17 of the 18 elections, in the game prior to the presidential election, if the Redskins win, the incumbent wins the election, the incumbent party, I guess I should say. And when they lose, the non-incumbent party wins. So that would mean with the Redskins losing on Sunday and the election being on Tuesday, Mitt Romney would become the 45th president of the United States following this Redskins rule. And that reminds me, whether you are a Republican or a Democrat or an Independent, I encourage you to go out to the polls and vote on Tuesday. It's very important that you participate in our presidential election. It's an important election. 
And I, I think it's just important for everybody out there to voice their opinion. I am 22 years old, and I luckily I was um, able to vote in the last election by just a few days, my birthday being in late October. Um, I turned 18, and with this election, now my, my second time I get to vote, really surprises me how few people really do vote, and I think that's, I think that's sad. I, I think whether you're politically active or not, I, I still think it's important that you get out there and um, voice your opinion. Your vote does matter, so I would encourage you to go out and Vote for whoever you would like, even if it's a write-in. Just just go vote. If you're listening on Monday, tonight's game will be between the Philadelphia Eagles and the New Orleans Saints, two teams that are fighting for really fighting for their playoff lives. Eagles trying to get back to 500 and get to four and four. The Saints just trying to remain alive out there in the NFC. Should be a good game. I'm projecting that the Eagles are going to win this one. Um, but uh, it should be a fun one with Vic and Breeze going at it. Enjoy the first week of November. In the meantime, I'm going to go try and find some peace in my mind.